As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. If we're honest, many times when we're testing marketing channels, it feels a bit like this. Wow. Is that working? But it doesn't necessarily have to. So today, episode four of our growth series, we're going to be talking with Gabriel Weinberg and breaking down parts of his traction book so that we can learn how we can build up marketing channels and test them for ourselves. And so we no longer have to sound like... I doubt anyone's seeing this, but it could be happening. So stay tuned. Welcome to Rocketship.fm, the podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales, and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Mike Belsito. And I'm Joelle Goldman. 
Welcome to episode four of our growth series. You don't have to stop, but if you'd like to go back and listen to episode one, two, and three, they're well worth your time. So today we're going to be taking a look at how to build traction channels for your business. We're going to be hearing from Gabriel Weinberg, and we're even going to hear a story about how he landed a billboard for DuckDuckGo, a competing search engine in Google's backyard. So Gabriel is the founder of DuckDuckGo. He's also the author of Traction, which is a startup guide for getting customers and traction for your business. So here's Gabriel on why he built the framework around Traction and wrote the book. You know, I, I was trying to get Traction for my startup and I went looking for like a Traction framework to apply, kind of like a product development framework or a customer development framework. It just didn't, one didn't exist. Right. Um, and so I, I set out to try to figure out what to do and eventually end up writing this book. And the framework ends up being a three-step process that we call the bullseye framework because um, it uses the metaphor of a bullseye target where the outer ring is all the ways you can get traction. So we identify 19 different traction channels, so like search engine marketing, you know, SEO, trade shows, etc. And what you're trying to do is hit that bullseye where you find the right channel for your startup at the time to, you know, rocket its growth. Now, Gabriel is also an investor in startups, so he sees a lot of early stage startups from the struggles that they go through. One of the things that he noticed is that people focus on the product and even the customer development a ton, but when they go to market, they don't have an identifiable channel which with to market that product through. And so his theory is that if you focus on the channel for marketing the product through early on, when you actually go to market with a validated product, you'll have the channel or a couple channels that you can use to then build a real business off of. And that resonates with me a ton because oftentimes those channels actually take time to develop. For instance, let's just say the channel's SEO and you decide to employ a content marketing strategy to rise in the ranks on Google. It could take several months to move the needle. So if you wait too long to focus on that, you could completely miss the boat. You get to find stuff that you don't uncover via the customer development things like which niche do you focus on? Which marketing channel is really going to unlock your growth? Um, how are you going, how much is it going to cost? And so then on day one, when you launch the product, you can just ramp up those marketing channels, get the hockey stick growth, raise the money. Um, and then you're really, you know, starting to build a company versus the other story where, you know, unfortunately a lot of companies just like much and die there. So that sounds easy enough, right? So the important part, the first step to figure out is what is actually going to move the needle for your business. So are signups going to move the needle so that you can go raise funding based on that traction? Is it revenue that you need in order to prove traction? What is your metric? And you start working back from there to figure out how you can improve your metric. Things that... Um so another tip that we learned was that, you know, you need to focus on things that are going to move the needle for your business. Um, that seems simple, but most people don't necessarily focus on that because they don't really assess what's going to move the needle. Um, and the way to figure that out is to start with a traction goal. Um, you know, what is a meaningful goal for you? And you shouldn't be picking this out of a hat. You should be picking it out of something that is going to be an inflection point for your company. 
Now, for a lot of businesses starting out, that is raising money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what traction do you need to raise money? And you can work backwards for that. Um, for, for me right now, it's getting to 1% of search market. Um, okay. But once you know what that is, you can put some numbers to it and be like, okay, you know, if I'm a B2B company, I may need 10 customers to get to that point. I have enough case studies, you know, to really open up the market. If I'm a consumer app, maybe I need a million downloads. So what does this look like if you're a company pre-product that wants to test the market? Well, Gabriel did a case study on Marketo, which is a marketing automation product, on what they did to build up an audience and find traction even before launching their actual product. Um, They actually started their blog uh, before they they built a product. Just started speaking to content marketers who was ultimately their customer. And... um, really tested SEO and content marketing in their blog to see where the engagement was around all their posts um, and started steering their product development towards that. Um, and then also when they launched, they were they were still getting email signups this whole time through their blog. They really kept the blog content going way farther than you would do if you were just doing customer development. Um, and as a result, when they launched, they had this email list of 14,000 um, you know, marketers. Um, and they were instantly taken off right from the right from the get go. Even with today's cluttered content market, this is still something that any company could do. You could start it before you have your product. You could start it today, even if your product's out in the market. Well, and I'll share with you, Michael. I'm actually taking Gabe's advice here, and I'm doing it right now at Product Collective, my company. One of the projects we're working on is this book called Everything Is a Product. We were going to keep it under wraps, but just this week we decided, you know what, why not put it out there and start building up interest? Being really candid, we're nowhere close to even having a rough draft done, but just by putting it out there, we're hoping we could start growing our audience right now. That is awesome. You're going to have to keep us updated on that. Another case study they did was on archives.com, which sold to ancestry.com, and what they did in the early days to not only do that customer development, but then focus the product on the learnings from that customer development, which created their hyper growth. Before they even built the product, they had a whole series of landing pages um, and they ran a bunch of SEM campaigns, um, search engine marketing campaigns to do two things. One, to see how much it would cost them, you know, to acquire customers to that. But two, to figure out which actual product um was going, you know, all these products they validated already at customer development. So people have said they wanted them, you know, it was like, uh, figure out what celebrity I'm related to, um, uh, you know, figure out who the first person, you know, came over to my immigrant to my country. Um, but they ran these things to really figure out which one was going to convert better. Um, and then they could decide, okay, I'm going to focus the first version of my product on that. Now there are 19 different channels that they outline in the book. All right. I'll read them all. You ready? Viral marketing, public relations, unconventional PR, search engine marketing, social and display ads, offline ads, search engine optimization, content marketing, email marketing, engineering is marketing, targeting blogs, business development, sales, affiliate programs, existing platforms, trade shows, offline events, speaking engagements, community building, and that's it. That leaves a lot to think about and a lot of different channels to potentially try for your business. And what is the biggest mistake that people often make when they're starting to explore these channels? 
The answer and the story of how Gabriel landed a billboard in Google's backyard right after a quick word from our sponsor. Now, back to the show. It's really just letting your bias overcome that you shouldn't be working in certain marketing channels when really it may make sense to do that. One way to overcome that is to bring, you know, an advisor who is a little more outside your company to help you with this um, brainstorming process and try to counteract your bias there. And this is something that Gabriel has fallen victim to personally when he started DuckDuckGo. You know, I didn't have a goal. My previous business was, um, had, had gotten traction through search engine optimization, SEO. So when I started DuckDuckGo, I was like, oh, I know SEO. I'm going to just try to get tracked through SEO. And I spent a lot of time on it and I was successful. Um, I had built a, a widget that you could show your Twitter followers and stuff. And at the bottom, it had a link that said new search engine. And it, th- this whole complicated procedure made me rank first for new search engine, <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, which was great. Except that new search engine only brought in like, you know, 50 users a day or something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And so it, it, it amounted to only like, you know, like a thousand a month or a few thousand. And that just, it just didn't move the needle for me at all. And, you know, I, I thought it was cool, but then in retrospect, I was like, why did I waste all this time on SEO when I really need, you know, 50,000 searches a month to prove this out? And I really should have focused on other channels. And so not having that goal was that mistake. So what should this look like when you're trying out different channels? Well, first, let's start with what it shouldn't look like. It's kind of this random walk of, I'm going to try this and try that. And that's what we normally see people do. They're like, we'll put up some ads, we'll try some blog posts, post to Hacker News. You know, <laughs> that that is not a structured approach. <laughs> um, you need a much more structured approach that involves testing. Really, you should be doing things in parallel so you're not wasting a lot of time. You know, you should be quantitative in it you know there should be a spreadsheet at the other end of this um but taking some kind of structure not taking a structured approach is is another mistake that i commonly see now naturally what we want to do is downplay some of the channels we're not so comfortable with and spend more time on the channels that we are comfortable with and naturally if we spend more time on a channel we may get better results from it even if that is a false positive of course the trap you fall into there is there may be a perfect ideal growth channel for your business but just because you're not comfortable with it you'll never know that are you going to try things in all 19 channels No, of course not, but it would definitely be a mistake to only focus on what you're comfortable with. Pick out five to ten channels that you want to try. Pick a couple that you're familiar with and a couple that you're really uncomfortable with. And try to give them equal amount. So if you're looking at ads, try spending a couple thousand for the month on ads. Put that much into some SEO put that much into flying out to conferences and speaking and see which gets you a better ROI for that stage of your company. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is that not every channel will work at every stage and eventually these channels will plateau. When they plateau, you go back to the to the drawing board and start again. So if content worked for you before, but it stops working, maybe it's time for PR. Maybe you have enough domain authority where you can go after SEO and it'll be much easier now than it was in the beginning. This is all the testing that you need to do, all the spreadsheeting you need to do so that you can accurately calculate how much it costs to acquire a customer 
and what effort will go into it. Yeah, so we've got through several you know, stages of, of growth. And so each one of these really had another market challenge core. So I started with SEO. And, you know, I ended up getting some users through it. I tried to rank for a new search engine. Um, but the problem with that is it took me a while. It was a distraction. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the product. And it, it ultimately tapped out at a low volume. Um, and so I almost had to immediately start looking elsewhere. The next one that really, you know, unlocked our growth was um, social, really social display ads, which was mainly on Reddit at the time. Um, was one of the first Reddit advertisers. And the reason why that was so good for us is it had two things that were directly correlated to our business. One, a really niche at that time, Reddit was a lot smaller, of people who might be interested in what we were doing and kind of giving us a shot. And two, the comments on the system. You know, we were steering towards product market fit for us, which meant getting to something that you could switch your search engine to. You know, when we launched the day one, you could not switch your search engine to us. It just was not good enough. Um, and we desperately wanted to get there, but we desperately needed good feedback to do so. And Reddit really served as help on that. So other stages of growth, after that, after that kind of popped out, you know, we went through content marketing, we went through print PR, um, TV PR, and now we're looking at business development, um, which most recently we have a deal with Apple um, to put DuckDuckGo and Safari and iOS and OSX. So if you count those, those are really, you know, really six different stages of growth we've been through, all with six different marketing channels. And you know, early on, I didn't take that structured approach, but I quickly learned that I needed to. And so each of those really came out of, you know, a brainstorming session like the one I'm talking about, where we figured out what ideas, you know, would reasonably work for us to get the next state of growth really move the needle for us. Um, and, and to put a point on that, you know, right now, you know, startups love to, to, to chase that, like, New York Times write-up or, you know, some kind of mention on CNN or something like that. Our numbers are such right now that that wouldn't move the needle for our business. And that's an important distinction because early on I could have gone and spoke at events, which I never did, um, which might have moved the needle and got, got some more feedback. Um, but now it wouldn't. And so you really have to be quantitative about what is going to move and what is not going to move kind of the core metrics of your business. And one of the traction channels that you may have heard of, unconventional PR may have made you stop for a second there. But what does Gabriel mean by unconventional PR? Well, here is what DuckDuckGo did in order to test this channel. And so the reason, um, and the, so that experiment was, let's put up a billboard. It'll make a really cool picture. That was a billboard in San Francisco, Google's backyard that said, Google tracks you, we don't. Um, for those of you who aren't looking at the picture. <laughs> um, and we thought that would make a very compelling uh, picture to pair with a story and I had um, talked to a journalist at Wired we had kind of a previous relationship with had written much about us um, and they agreed that was a good story and so you know we put it up it actually didn't cost that much it was $7,000 and you know it, it worked so we got a, a national print story in Wired and then I leveraged that to get a USA Today story uh, in, the, in the print paper and the reason that how we tracked that was nothing else was going on at the site at the time. <laughs> so it was very obvious that it was related to that. Um, 
And the validation there was that at the, you know, at, at the numbers we were at at the time, which was about a million searches a month. And um, after that campaign, we, it really doubled us uh, to two million searches a month. That a national print, you know, feature would really move the needle for us. And so that's why we ended up focusing on that channel for like the next year. Um, and so in any case, that's a really good example of um, a test that was successful and then we decided to focus on that channel um, and really build it out. That's an awesome example of something that worked well. But did you catch that word Gabriel used? Experiment. That unconventional PR tactic, it was an experiment and one that worked really well. Not national press, it can make you feel really cool, but sometimes it doesn't move the needle. At a company I used to have, eFuneral, we made our way onto CNN, VentureBeat, The Atlantic, and it was really, really cool, but it didn't make the business. So if your expectation is national press always equals success, you could be disappointed. But if you treat it as an experiment like Gabriel did, even if it doesn't work, it's time well spent. Or you could experience what Gabriel did at the stage that DuckDuckGo was and find that it actually works. So what are your current traction channels? Are there channels that you're missing out on that you could be taking advantage of simply because you're a little bit too nervous or it's a little bit out of your comfort zone? Here's a challenge to you. Test one new challenge this month. Take one channel that makes you slightly uncomfortable to go after and try it just for a month and measure the results against your current working channels. Or if you don't have any current working channels, go ahead and pick five to 10 and run these experiments on a new product of yours. All right, we'll be back next week with the final episode of this growth series. So Stay tuned. A big thanks to our sponsor today, Prezi. Prezi is the better way to make your presentations, whether you're doing investor presentations or sales presentations, Prezi lets you go with the flow of the conversation. So make a beautiful slide presentation for your next presentation at Prezi.com forward slash rocket ship. That's P-R-E-Z-I dot com forward slash rocket ship. If you're enjoying this growth series, please subscribe and leave us a review. You know, five stars would be fine, but uh, it helps us to reach more people. So if you want to listen to old interviews and check out the full series, you can go to rocketship.fm or you can find them anywhere where you can subscribe to a podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at rocketshipfm. You can follow me at Michael Saka, Joel at Joel Goldman, and Mike Belsito at Belsito. All right, we'll see you here in just a couple of days. <laughs>